0: Hey everybody, I'm Kelly Ellers.
1: I'm Jeffrey Lennon.
0: And this is Volume Up by the Teets. Jeff, it's been a whole year. I can't really honestly believe.
1: it. it, How did it happen so far? I mean, time means nothing, basically. (laughs) But a whole year of talking to incredible people. I know. Talking to you. uh, Thank you. I don't, how did it happen, basically?
0: I don't know. Like, what have we done in a year? I mean, we've hit, you know, Texture Style Award winners. We've hit up business executives, uh, organizations, uh, governing bodies. I mean, you name it. And, and of course, colorists, stylists, barbers, tastemakers, we've done it all.
1: We've done it all. And there's so much more to do, but we want to thank everybody for listening, for subscribing, for coming back week after week. We're thrilled to continue to do this well into the next year and beyond, but Yeah. yeah, one year kudos to, to you.
0: Cheers with our invisible. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) All right. On last week's episode, I spoke with Scott Massad, the president and chief executive officer at Beauty Quest Group. We talked about the future of the salon business and his perspective on the industry today. Uh, We also closed out our mini series featuring the winners of the Texture Hair Awards. So we did a lot last episode, but we've got a great one ahead.
1: Sure do. If you like learning more about the industry, those who are enacting change and creating a better world, make sure that you subscribe, rate and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, at ReadTheTease, and send in questions to volume Up at thetees.com. This week, I speak with Myra Reddy, the Director of Government Affairs and Industry Relations for the Professional Beauty Association, or PBA. We asked Myra to come on specifically to talk about the Tip Tax, a program that's been controversial in the restaurant and other service industries, but has the potential to change the financial model of the salon industry for the better.
0: But before we get there, I have one thing that I just can't stop thinking about, and this is not new news, but it's still news to me that Angelina Jolie, her extension malfunction. Like, can we bring that back to the surface?
1: Let's talk about it. Let, let's set the stage. I mean, she's okay. promoting a huge Marvel movie, The Eternals. Yes. Uh, lots of excitement around this. It's a Big old diverse cast, the most diverse in the Marvel Universe history. Uh, It is being directed, or has been rather, directed by Chloe Zhao. Uh, Lots of eyeballs, lots of attention. She shows up to the red carpet. And what is going on with her hair, Kelly?
0: Okay, so you'll see her natural (laughs) hair. And then Mm. you'll see a longer section of it, which is clearly clearly the extensions. But nobody said, let's blend those. Let's just Mm. cut Mm. right into them. let's thin them out, let's blend them. And you know, the, ex- the excuse that non pros are saying is that maybe they slipped. And the only thing I can think of slip wise is if she was wearing clip-ins and they miraculously came- became unclipped, but that's real hard. Or the other thing is she was like, I'm out. I got to dress all my kids. They're being a total pain in the ass. I've got to go forget my hair. I don't know. Uh,
1: it's hard. I mean, to your point, it, it it is a little bit like, was this sabotage? Did, did yeah. her hairstylist do her dirty by putting in some slippy clips? Because because to <laughs> your point, like a, that install, you know, no, for a, it, an A-lister. I mean, like it is Angelina Jolie after all. Um, you would think that as the pro, you wouldn't want your name associated with that look.
0: Certainly no one's raised their hands and said, that was me.
1: Uh, I can only imagine why. Um, but maybe she did it herself. That's something that has just now come to mind that she was getting busy with your kid. You're right. Like she's got a bunch of kids. They're wearing her couture yeah. from years past. She's worried about them. She's not worried about herself. She's maybe doing it herself then. And that is why.
0: You Can know, that be what happened? it could be. You know, let me tell you why. And I'm not trying to call out anyone here, but I have bought... I have bought hair extensions before where there's kind of the invisible, like sort of fishing wire, Mm -hmm, fishing line and the extensions. And they look amazing. Like at the shows, I'm like, I'll take one of those. I'll take one of those. And then I get home and I never wear them because I'm positive it's going to slip. And maybe that's what happened.
1: You know, we'll need some sort of accounting for what went. Yeah. (laughs) But but yeah, it's pretty tragic. Yeah, it, it's it, tragic. Was, it was a shocker. Um, mm-hmm. not something that one would expect from uh Ms. Angelina, Jolie at this point and, in her career. I mean, and if it's it was like it's slipping first, yeah, yeah.
0: Right. If it was slipping, she knew it was slipping. Like they're mm-hmm. like, mm, and she's mm-hmm. like, I gotta hightail it out of here. Maybe the glam squad should have stepped in. Maybe somebody should have thrown thrown her a scrunchie, like pop that hair up. I don't know. So
1: <laughs> Ooh, <could you laughs> we that, feel I mean, for that- her that 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 moment would have been something if she were just like scrunchy, pulling it back taking it up uh walking the red carpet for that uh, maybe better than what wound up happening um totally. yeah I anyway mean,
0: turns out she's not perfect i don't know i'm still team <laughs> jen
1: so there's that after all these years wow oh, well speaking of news there's lots of things that have been happening in the salon professional industry, and our editorial team has been hard at work to uncover it. So we're talking about the latest and greatest diving into brands that you don't know, but you should. And here are our favorite headlines from Matisse.com from this week. I'm going to start one right. that I think we should all be looking at right now is four indigenous owned brands that you should know about. And that is because November is Native American History Month. Uh, It's no secret that Indigenous people have continued to be vastly underrepresented in our society, especially within the beauty and salon professional industry. And in fact, you might have even noticed this yourself the last time you walked down the beauty store aisle uh, and failed to come back with a single product that is from an an Indigenous-owned brand. So... Our editorial team rounded up four brands, including Sister Sky, Kokum Scrunchies, Katali Beauty, and the Yukon Soap Company that you should absolutely check out now and always. So go to thetease.com, look for this article, and then add all of this stuff to cart to support the indigenous community.
0: All right. I love that. Going online, I'm going to check him out. going to check out the article. Next up, five hair products to help maintain silvery strands, which feel like I'm targeted here with my Fanola comments, but as beautiful as gray locks are, which to die for someday I shall be fully gray. I will embrace it. Not quite yet, um, but they're prone to both dryness and brassiness. So if you're not a professional, if you keep your, to keep your grays looking their absolute best, you need a handful of products um, to keep the color bright in your hair, moisturized, all important. So to help everybody out, we've curated a list of some of our favorite gray hair products. From Amika to Kerastas to the beloved Shimmer Lights. Check them out there um, at thetease.com.
1: Next up, an article that you are definitely going to want to check out. It is called Reparations Hair Capsed is bringing equitable hair education to the Black community for the second year. Kia Neal, who's also the force behind the Texture Versus Race movement, launched Reparations that delivers equitable hair education to the Black community. During its debut last fall, the event provided education to over 900 Black stylists at the height of the COVID-19 lockdown and the Black Lives Matter movement. Reparations came back for a second year on November 1st, and we could not be more excited. Head to thetease.com to see all of the speakers, everybody that was lined up, and then go over to the reparations on Instagram for the latest. As always, so much going on in thetease.com. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We are proud to publish the stories that salon pros and consumers care about.
0: Next up, Myra Reddy, the Director of Government Affairs and Industry Relations for the Professional Beauty Association.
1: Everybody, and welcome to the Volume Up podcast. I am thrilled to be chatting with someone that you're going to want to listen to today. Um, I'm joined by Myra Reddy, the Director of Government Affairs and Industry Relations for the Professional Beauty Association, or the PBA. Myra spends her time researching and analyzing various issues affecting the multi billion dollar professional industry, including local, state, and federal legislation. She creates and writes advocacy campaigns, policy positions, and testimony. Prior to joining the PBA, she served as a staff member for the U.S. Senate, U.S. House, the state le- Texas state legislature, excuse me, and the California State Assembly. Anything that we should be adding to your bio, there, Myra? Welcome to the podcast.
2: Well, oh no, I uh, thank you so much for the great introduction and for the opportunity to participate on the podcast today and talk about the BICA tax tip credit. Uh, that will really have a strong impact on the industry. So I'm so happy to be here. Thank you.
1: We are thrilled to have you. Uh, And let's just jump into it. Uh, For our audience, for our listeners that are maybe not aware of what is going on, please explain in the easiest terms, 45B like a tax of credit.
2: Yes, absolutely. So the Professional Beauty Association has been working on this legislation for quite some time. Uh, You know, a lot of people ask us, Why are you, you know, what's taking so long? So as I walk you through the steps, uh, hopefully that will become more and more clear as to uh, how you can impact legislation really only to a certain point. And then the rest of it, you just sort of crossing your fingers and Mm -hmm. hoping and praying that it passes. But first, first let me just explain what is the 45B FICA tax tip credit? It is some people aren't aware of it. Some people Mm -hmm. are, but aren't really sure how it works. Uh, First, I want to explain that this isn't a tax extender or something that exists that has to be renewed. This is actually written into the tax code. However, unfortunately for us, but fortunately for the restaurants, the restaurant industry is the only industry that can actually claim this credit. So you're probably wondering, well, what is the credit and how does it work and Mm -hmm. why do they have it and how do you file for it? So let's talk about that. All that exciting stuff. Yes. (laughs) So, the 45B FICA tax tip credit is a credit provided to employers on the FICA taxes paid on tips. So, something really important with that first sentence to the employer. So, this will only impact, let's say for the beauty industry, Mm -hmm. an employer within the salon and spa. Massage environment, anything under the beauty umbrella, and so you actually need to be an employer with actual W two employees. So this does not apply to uh, booth rental situations or if you aren't, you are an independent business of one. Your FICA taxes as an independent person are actually less anyway because you don't have an employer picking up that other half. So you're sort of taken care of in that aspect. But what we're we're looking at and what Congress back in 1993 already said, hey, yeah, you have a point there that doesn't make sense, that in the restaurant, you come in, you dine, your server provided excellent service. So you're hoping, hopefully you're tipping 20, 25% somewhere around there of your meal cost. And that transaction though on that tip is really between you after you enjoyed that meal, praying that gratuity to your server for excellent service. The employer of the restaurant, the owner of the restaurant did not have anything to do with that transaction. They didn't walk over and say, hey, I saw you providing table 24 with great service. Here's an extra yeah, 20. That, that transaction was between the client, the guest, and the server. So the employer doesn't pay that money out. The employer doesn't receive it in. Uh, They may receive it in, in terms of processing it on your paycheck, to which they're also paying processing fees for the credit card charge and administrative to separate that out. But there's really no point where the employer enjoys any type of benefit from any type of gratuity in in any situation in the beauty situation, beauty career, restaurant field, any place that allows gratuities. It's between the client or the guest and the person providing the service. So Congress in 1993 said, yes, that that makes sense. Why Why are employers being responsible for their half of FICA taxes for gratuities or income to an employee that they are not paying out nor are they earning anything in? So what we've come to Congress to ask is, hey, why does only one industry have this? The beauty industry, according to economic data, is the second highest tip industry in the US. Also, the beauty industry has to pay at least minimum wage per hour in some states, depending on proper legal employment compensation. It could be way more than that. Even in your county where you live, there's training, uh, continuing education, there's a lot that goes into mentorship, of uh, sort of bringing up a stylist or uh, a, you know, massage therapist or esthetician to their full potential. Um, that doesn't necessarily happen with servers in the restaurant industry as they even look at utilizing tips to fulfill a portion of their hourly pay. So the restaurant in- industry is really enjoying a lot of you know interesting credits and uh, different ways of going out uh, going about paying their employees where the beauty industry is uh, just, contractually <laughs> liable to do a lot more with their employees. So extending this credit from restaurants to salons makes sense. We've also tried by inviting other industries that are highly tipped. You might think of transportation, hotel services, casinos, uh, other uh, other things that might pop up into your mind, other occupational fields that are also tipped, to, to invite them to also call upon Congress to extend this credit right now that has for a number of years only been applied to one single industry. And that really does... Call out uh, an issue with tax equity tax fairness. Uh, the gap of the, the tipping responsibility has also been called out numerous times in media and publications by the IRS themselves. So looking at closing this because the, the theory, at least behind the restaurants, having this is that the more employers that are eligible for such a credit on FICA taxes just for tips the more likely you are to report the TIPS as income, therefore shrinking the gap that the IRS has mentioned to Congress uh, uh, between reported income and non-reported income, which is acknowledged as as TIPS not being reported correctly. That was a long explanation to that one very first Beautifully done. No, no,
1: no, no. That That is exactly what we're here for. Um, and we so very much appreciate you walking through that as, as you've done. Um, let's break it down even more. Why should our listeners care about this? What is in it for them that this pass?
2: Imagine being a business owner, which uh, when I hear all the stories that we hear from multiple <laughs> states, <laughs> I, I often do at the end of the day on my drive home think, Gosh, if I lived that, in that state, I don't know if I'd I'd open a beauty business, you know, a salon or a spa or, you know, a, an eyelash center or, or a nail spa because your margin is is slim. You know, there's only so much every year you can do to go up on your services. Yep. And then you have something, unfortunately, like COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's horrible. You know, so many people have been detrimentally harmed by this, uh, whether family, but the, you know, as well as the business industry as a whole, because the beauty industry is a hands-on physical experience, we all know across the 50 states that they were shut down. One one Mm -hmm. of the first to shut down. And unfortunately, by statistics and data, also one of the last to reopen. Uh, We can't really say, you know, oh, well, they reopened. Six months ago, well, technically they did, but they had to st- keep their stations six feet apart. They mm. couldn't take off masks, so mm-hmm. you know, you have a beard. If you ever go in for a yeah. beard or mustache service, you couldn't do that. Yep, you can't take off your mask. So yep. the service menu shrank. Uh, salon owners were looking at having to shell out money they didn't have for for PPE. You know, for the masks, for mm-hmm. the hand sanitizing. Um, thermometers, you know, th- things that they weren't prepared to do. So it was extra money on top of being closed. I'm getting back to the FICA tip tax point, right? <laughs> uh, tax tip point but just to show you an example. So you, So you're coming across a, a fairly low margin, especially if you're going to compare it to a restaurant, like the cost of a sandwich compared to the cost of a service. What goes into that? The product cost, the overhead, where you're located, your employees, because they're not making two something an hour. You know, that's, that doesn't exist in the beauty industry world. Then you're having to guess if you're a newer salon or spa or look at previous records, how much should I set aside this year on what maybe probably <laughs> my employees are going to be tipped? because you're going to have to pay those FICA taxes. So mm-hmm. let's just go with $50,000. Mm-hmm. So every year, you know, you have a very, let's say you have a very small, what we will say mom and pop generational salon that's passed down to you. You've got maybe three or four employees. Um, some of them, let's say two are full-time, two are part-time. They're really great about reporting their tips or maybe you go above and beyond and you process their tips for them. So all mm-hmm. tips come through you, so it's recorded. And you either pay it out at the end of the day or you put it on their paycheck, however Mm -hmm. you choose to give them their gratuities back. You under 45B, you're still paying the FICA taxes. At the end of the year, when you file your taxes with the IRS, you would then receive a credit for your half of the FICA on the tips only. I also want to stress, this does not take away any social security or med- you know, any benefits that your employee would have earned with those half the taxes. It doesn't, it doesn't suck it back out of their account. It doesn't take it away from them. It's merely giving you that credit back. So given that, go, let's go back to our imaginary $50,000 a year. And for some mm-hmm. people, it's six, did, you know, six figures yep. when, for larger salons. You just got that back at the end of the year as a credit. You could hire someone. You could stay afloat because you're still not recovered from COVID. There's the shutdown from COVID. Um, Maybe you made changes in your salon that you found with COVID, some safety changes that actually work, and you want them to be permanent, so you're going to invest in that. Uh, Maybe you want to do touchless Water sinks now because you've seen other salons do it. and You're like, Hey, I'm going to use my money. So there's, there's so much more that could be done with that. your that half of the FICA taxes on tips coming back to you. It also is sort of a relief knowing you're going to get that money back. Yes. You still have to set it aside, but you're going to get that money back. Uh, Cause you still, you still need to pay it, but you, the the idea of that safety net coming back to you rather than just sitting there guessing how much am I going to pay? Or worse, am I going to be audited because it doesn't look like I'm reporting enough of a percentage of tips? Uh, How do I encourage or talk to my employees about reporting tips and helping them understand that this is income, not just free money? Uh, You know, all those conversations would run a lot more smoothly. (laughs) I think if there was an incentive, that you were going to get half of those taxes back, your half of the taxes back. Uh, so you know the reason you should care in general, tax e- equity, tax fairness, closing the tax gap, better reporting, income reporting in general, if we had better reporting, our Bureau of Labor and Statistics outlook for career fields under the professional beauty industry would go way up. Because if you've ever looked at those numbers, you're probably thinking to yourself, that's not right. <laughs> yeah, they're not making $12,000 a year. That's not right. So so everything would have a positive impact uh, that's reported. And, and these are all federal numbers that the, that Congress looks at. So we want those numbers to be as truly representative as possible. exactly so we need that income reporting to be correct and get employers really their money back. It, it's almost instead of a tax credit, I look at it as a tax refund because you didn't pay out on that money. It's in Congress has already said, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Why are you paying FICA taxes on money that you didn't pay out, nor did you receive any benefit from? So, I, you know, there's, those are probably like four or five reasons why you should care about, about this credit. But most of all, because it is, a, it is a burden to have to pay such an enormous amount every year and sort of have to guess at it and set that money aside uh, when you're not receiving any benefit for it.
1: Absolutely. An undue burden. Uh, beautifully established. We really do, again, appreciate you walking us through all of this. So where are we at with this becoming a reality? We're in... The salon professional industry is incorporated into this tax credit, which again it had been already extended to the restaurant industry in '93.
2: Yes. So where are we at? That's a great question. Um, so, uh, as many of you know, Congress runs in two-year cycles, uh, so a, a bill could be introduced uh, this year, but come next year, it you know it, we're we're still working on it. Um, it's a little bit different at the state level, where most sessions most, um, there's a few outliners, but most sessions are just a few months long. Uh, And then, you know, so they're maybe January through April or February through May, and that's it. Mm -hmm. The Congress is longer. uh, So in many instances, Congress moves slower (laughs) because they have more time. And then they're also dealing with real-time issues that arise that uh, redirect their attention. So so sometimes um, we get caught up in not having a vehicle for the legislation to travel through Congress, uh, or, or it's not as relevant. It's relevant to us, but perhaps not as relevant to them. So well, let's talk about where that is and how that <laughs> works. So we have two bills. Uh, so we, you know, when you introduce the legislation, you have the House version and the Senate version, or you can just call them companion bills. H.R. 821 is the House version, and once the bill was introduced, it moves over to the House Ways and Means Committee. That's the committee that it's assigned, and, and then we wait. That's how, <laughs> that's how that works. Uh, on the Senate, the companion bill is uh, Senate Bill 1233, and that is assigned to the Senate Finance Committee. Now, for the past 10 years, we've, we've gone through this exercise where we've found bipartisan co-sponsors in both the mm-hmm. house and senate because this is a this is not a controversial nope. bill No, nope. it it's a little bill it's just a few pages <laughs> compared to the thousands <laughs> of these, uh, i'm sure that all congressional members thoroughly read before they vote and uh it, it's very bipartisan it carries a low score um and again like i said we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. It's just extending what already exists. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of tax equity, tax fairness, closing the tax gap. So it has such a great story behind it and amazing talking points and wonderful data and statistics. And if we had a little worksheet up that we could all look at, we have checked those boxes over and over and over and over again. To, To give you an example, When I started working on FICA, I was single. Mm. I am now married and I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. That's how long.
1: I don't feel like that was in Schoolhouse Rock, that part of the waiting, yeah, no.
2: (laughs) Well, in in years past, we've made it to committees, we've made it to discussions and committee hearings uh, and then personal discussions where I've literally Felt comfortable enough with certain staffers to just say, look, let's cut to the chase. You're not gonna hurt my feelings. What's the problem? (laughs)
3: Because
2: because, um, what are we missing? Uh, Despite the obvious, we don't have a political action committee. So we don't have the funding and the money that other career fields like the restaurants Mm -hmm. may strongly have. So for me, I always think to myself, process of elimination, we've literally done everything else that was asked for us at a national level. We have a Mm -hmm. lobbying team, we have national campaigns, letter writing, articles placed in hometown newspapers, uh, articles placed in the Hill, up on the Hill, um, Politico, Uh, we mentioned in Bloomberg this time around. Uh, We've done small fundraising events, but again, if you're only raising $25,000, $30,000, that really doesn't mean a lot to the the people that you're trying to support. But this year, I at least am happy to report with you uh, that our HR 821 has made it through the committee and is currently packaged neatly on two little pages inside of the reconciliation bill which if you're listening to the news at all you know has not moved yet because there's a little bit of an issue on whether it should be 1.5 trillion 2.5 trillion or 3.5 trillion Mm. and then we have senator you know we have we have mansion and cinema that aren't really quite sure (laughs) if they want to go along with um the president's plans on Mm. the ideas of what should be in a reconciliation package. And we also have the infrastructure bill, uh, the timing of the two that's that's trying to be worked out. But despite all that, the fact is that we've made it through the markups, we're still in the bill. This is the furthest this legislation has ever gone. We are not an industry at this point that's still trying to get in the bill. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that we've been around for so long <laughs> and 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 uh my counterpart katie raposa and i um have become stalkers uh to say the least of of congressional staff members <laughs> to say hey here's a fun fact we learned this week just want to share it with you you know anything new that we could tell a staffer to to just remain relevant oh and i i should have finished that thought when I did ask that staffer a few years ago, what's the problem? He simply said to me, you're just not relevant. Your industry's issue is just not relevant. That's harsh when you've spent, I won't say how much we've spent on, on working on this legislation and flying numerous salon owners from across the country for lobby days, having sit down meetings bringing statistics, bringing data. Ha, you know, we, have a, we have an amazing, amazing lobbying team with capital tax partners in Washington, D.C., uh, really, really becoming attached and putting your heart into this legislation. I mean, there's been a lot of times where I've gone to bed thinking about it. I've woken up thinking about it. So as Katie and coming in and thinking, well, what if we tried this? What if we sent out this campaign? Mm-hmm. What if we did personalized information to each member, breaking down their district with the number of salons and employees. What if we shared our, you know, economic data, our demographic data, which is amazing and awesome about the beauty industry, just the diversity? Um, Is this an issue of women and minorities and the flexibility of being able to maintain, you know, a healthy budget for a small business, Uh, you know, because, because the argument can't be, well, it's not a good credit because it's existed since 1993 and they haven't taken it away. So (laughs) what's, what's the problem from getting it to A to B? And, you know, I've, we've, we've shared that frustration with so many of us that have hung on this long and are still interested in the credit and still, you know, plugging away at letters and and still don't mind when we call them and say, hey, we really need you to call Senator Cardin's office today, or you've really got to get all your Washington people together and just call and speak to Congresswoman Delbeni and say, hey, this is our moment, Uh, you know, Congresswoman Delbeni, this is the moment, this is the moment where you have to say, leave this piece of legislation, this little paragraph in this reconciliation bill as you're trying to figure out how to cut things to get it down to a number that everyone can be happy with you know so this is where we're at with that campaign this is the moment where we're saying now is the time to what i like to say go ahead and call your congressional members and say thank you thank you for leaving us in the reconciliation bill as you know, has has the bill go th- gone through all the markups yet? We don't know, but we we would like to, for them to um, basically feel bad about taking it out if that was on the on the table, which we don't think it is. We feel pretty pretty good about where it is in the reconciliation bill. I know there's a lot of people out there that don't support the reconciliation bill because of the price tag, in general, but hmm. for us, this credit is just so important and would mean so much to the industry and really the industry did not receive a whole lot of very specific targeted support during COVID. Yes, they had access to PPP and yes, your County may have put together different grants and holds on rent for commercial properties, but a lot of other industries received specific help. And we were there through that whole time, fighting and asking, fighting and asking. And this was on the table. We actually asked it for it to be retroactive as a refund to help people through COVID. And it did not make it through. So right now, we really feel like this is our biggest shot of getting this bill through. Is if it stays in the reconciliation package.
1: Makes total sense. How can our listeners help the PBA to have this happen?
2: Well, it's so we've made it so easy. <laughs> so well, it's laid it out. You know, you just went to our website at slash uh, advocacy You'll see, oh, FICA has its own little section, its own web page. And you can sign up for text alerts. You can click on the active campaign right now. It's all pre-written. It is editable. So if I just put in, you know, Myra Ready and I put in my address, that email is going to get sent to, based on my address, to my appropriate members of Congress and to the members on the House and the Senate on both sides. Um, You know, just it's editable in case you want to add in what this credit would mean to you financially how many employees you have anyone could anyone could participate in this because it's a national federal piece of legislation Uh, sometimes when we have state bills the you're not allowed to email them unless you live in their district but the great thing about the FICA campaign is that everyone no matter what state you're in can participate and it's it's so easy we even make it mobile friendly you can do it from your phone and it's just the outreach of saying, yes, this credit is important enough to stay in the reconciliation package. You know, let's move this reconciliation package along, which I'm being told now hopefully will happen before Thanksgiving, thank before it was before Halloween, but I think it's gotten you yep. back uh, <laughs> a little bit. Um, but just saying, you know, we support HR 821, we support the beauty industry, and, and thank you for allowing the credit to be in the reconciliation package. And finally, recognizing that the beauty industry is certainly worthy of having something (laughs) in this package specifically for them
1: for sure well we are going to make it even easier and include that link and all of the resources that we can within the show notes for this episode so that our listeners can go check it out and do their part to help this go through because my gosh uh if it's not clear already that this should be a thing Like, I don't know what else we can do. Uh, So thank you so much for your time. We're about to wrap, but there's one thing that we're gonna do um, before we do, which is quick takes. So we've talked about the 45B FICA text tip credit. Thank you for that. Now let's have some fun. Um, Not that that's not fun, to be clear. Um, (laughs) Our quick takes are the questions that we ask of all of our guests. Uh, So we're looking for the fastest response. Okay. First question, bar soap or body wash?
2: Bar. (laughs)
1: Oh, ah, okay. Good for you. We love that. Um, environmentally friendly, all of those things. Um, what are you streaming?
2: Oh gosh. I just finished, um, squid games.
1: <laughs> I haven't done it yet. So good for you. I'm I, late to I the watched game. it
2: first and e- yeah, I just finished it finished, just binge watched the rest of the episodes. So now I feel up and current on all the conversations. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I have to get into it. I just keep seeing the memes and I'm like, I'll, I'll get to it eventually, but I'm, you know, I'm not admittedly caught up. Okay. We are a bunch of product junkies on this podcast. We are all about beauty, hair, you know, you name it. So what is one product right now that you cannot live without?
2: PBA is headquartered in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mm-hmm. So it's sunny, 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 sunny all the time, which I guess I shouldn't say that as a complaint. But I last year have fallen in love with a, uh, basically a tinted sunscreen uh, by ILIA, I-L-I-A. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a tinted, it's almost like a serum. It's very lightweight, but it's a sunscreen. And uh, so I, I just wear that every single day. And I love it because it's lightweight and it's protecting me from the sun and uh, it's sheer and, that, that's like, that is definitely my most favorite product right now.
1: We love that. That could not have been a more glowing recommendation. Um, <laughs> make sure you guys are applying your SPF uh, and check yes. out Ilya's. <laughs> that's amazing. All right. Last question. What is your advice for folks who want to get to the top of the industry? Um, so obviously you're in advocacy. It's a little bit different than maybe our stylists or salon owners Uh, That are listening. Um, But, you know, in general, what is some solid advice for for pros that want to sort of get to the top of what they're up to?
2: Building positive relationships. Always, always, always just working hard and continuing to learn. Uh, You know, don't try to minimize the drama, minimize being sidetracked by toxicity or, or drama. And just, you know, I think the safest thing for me is always, you know, no one can really say or think much negative if you're always that hard worker with a strong work ethic, and you're doing your job, and you're taking steps to always be the best version of you. What can you complain about? And I I think that shines through. I know, especially here, I'm constantly learning. I've been here for almost 12 years, and I am still still learning about the many layers within the professional beauty industry, keeping an open mind, Uh, even if I don't know something to take the time to ask questions, to be quiet and listen (laughs) to the responses
1: also and
2: and learn to be educated. And and also not to be afraid to ask questions. There's sometimes I might be in a meeting with 10 people and someone said something. And I think to myself, I'm going to have to Google that. I don't even know what they're saying. And and I'll just say, Hey, I'm sorry. Can you back up a minute? I can't follow the rest of your conversation because I don't (laughs) know what that meant. And also stick true to your, your ethics and your morals and what you believe is best, Uh, you know, for policy positions or for what I work on researching, finding the information, understanding it as much as possible. And then standing by the position I make, I can always provide you the reasoning why Mm. we may disagree on that, but I think that people will respect that you took the time to learn it. You have the data, the information, you made an informed decision. And for these following reasons, th- these are the decisions that you're making. I-, I think that can be applied to most situations. So, I, you know, just uh, just being calm, taking a breath, keep learning and developing positive relationships.
1: Amazing. Well, Myra, congratulations on the progress to date. We are excited for Thank you. you. Um, we are going to, as we said, include some links within the show notes so that our listeners can help out if they feel so inclined. Best of luck,
2: especially you. with your
1: senator. Um, we're holding out for for yes. cinema to do something.
2: Me too. A little confused on that, but I have faith Aren't that she'll come around. <laughs> yeah.
1: Amazing. Okay. Thank you so Thank much you for being so here much. with us today.
0: Thank you. All right, Jeff, another winner in the books. Great interview.
1: Loved, Myra. Thank you so much for coming on, Myra. Uh, And everybody head over to the show notes so that you can take action based on everything that we talked about. It's super easy. The PBA couldn't make it actually any easier for you. And if you are passionate about it, let us know. As we've said, write into volumeupofthetease.com. We care about this topic. And if you do too, let's explore it.
0: Let's do it. Jeff, 365 days in... There's no one else I'd rather scream into the void with than you. Thank you for being <laughs> the best co-host out there.
1: Likewise, this has been a blast. And we're so excited that everybody's been listening in over this past year. Thank you guys for subscribing. Uh, and we really do appreciate your feedback.
0: Be sure to hit subscribe, rate and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions to volume up at volumeupatthetease.com.
1: Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey, Steven Jodoran, and Matt Hickey. Thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode and to Josh Landowski for editing so you can watch and listen on YouTube.